0: Yeah, my notes for this episode tonight I put together over a week ago now. Would you care to know how many pages of single space text it
1: is? <laughs> I would love to know.
0: 21. <laughs> wow. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number... Well, that gets complicated, you see. Because this show got delayed out of its normal time slot. And we were supposed to record it a week ago, and it would have been number 665. So when we recorded the football (laughs) show last night, Monday night, I used the actual numbering, and the football show became... 666, but it was recorded first. So in in reality, Andy, this episode right here. Let him who hath understanding reckon
1: the number of the beast, for it is a human number. Its number is 666. (laughs) That's a lot of podcasts. (laughs) That is a lot of podcasts.
0: Not for while you can, the monkey boy.
1: Well, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't it doesn't go that way. Hopefully, it's a good podcast. I think so. It's a it's a pretty appropriate
0: one to be six hundred and sixty six, though.
1: I would say so. Yes.
0: The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron.
1: It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix.
0: Well, that was quite the convoluted beginning, Andy, but we are back. We are back, finally, and I tell you, it, it took some doing to get you and me together uh, this time around because we've both been dealing with all kinds of different things, and uh, and I think we're both on the mend
1: now. How are you doing over there? I'm doing good. My uh, my cold that I've been suffering with for the past almost month now was finally giving up the ghost. I'm just coughing a little bit now. I had an enjoyable bout with food poisoning for the past several days, so that's... <laughs> I think I finally flushed that out of my system, uh, uh, literally. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun the past few days. So, but no, I th- I think uh, I think I'm on the mend. I'm sure glad to hear it. Yeah, I had a pretty rough cold type thing.
0: Uh, this this is what happens every year this time when they start chopping down all the cornfields. It just gets me so messed up respiratorily. But yeah, I'm um, other than coughing my way through every night. I'm doing better now, and so. We finally, and I apologize to all of our listeners and our patrons for being a week late, but we are exactly a week late. We're back on Wednesday again. Um, I did leave a note, though, asking their forgiveness because I knew it would be a few days. So we are back with a special episode. Um, our listeners will remember that after war, after when um, I've been watching the Winds of War. So I started say after the epi- after the Babylon five episode, the Winds of War um, where the shadows invaded Poland. Um, <laughs> Where, where uh, Captain Sheridan married Natalie in Portugal. No, no, no. It's all running together in my head now, Andy. Uh, after uh, War Without End, right, you were going off on right. assignment. And so I did a special episode just going through the notes and all the stuff we didn't have time to talk about the first time around. And it looked, it looked pretty obvious from a distance that this was going to happen again in terms of material this time. But thankfully, this time, you're along with me to kind of clear out the notebook of all the various factoids and things that we can discuss. And uh, I'm, I may have remembered to put this at the beginning of the show, and I may not, but I have 21 single space pages of notes to get through. But I think a lot of that is stuff we'll just skim through, and a lot of it is is, is not necessarily the, the meat we're going to dig in. So I think we're probably going to be fine. Um, yeah. So... We are for those that don't know. I right, I didn't even introduce. We, this is so we, we're so out of practice. I get out of practice after just a week. It's crazy. This is, ladies and gentlemen, the White Rocket Battle on Five Review Podcast, and we have come to the end of season three, um, which means that coming up in our next episode, we will be doing our season review, hopefully with Bobby and Nathan again because they've kind of become a tradition here. But in the meantime, tonight yeah, we're gonna. That's always gonna, fun. That's always fun. But in the meantime, tonight we're going to look at episode 22 of season three, or 322 as we call it Zaha Doom. And this is the listener feedback and more discussion episode. All right. So, we, you know, every episode, Andy and I take a bunch of notes, but there are some episodes where we just don't have time to go through all the details and all the feedback we get from the patrons. We kind of have to just hit the highlights, and it still takes us, what, an hour and 25, hour, 30 minutes, right? <laughs> right. So we're going to kind of clear out the notebooks of stuff we didn't get through last time. So how should we approach this, Andy? How would you like to proceed with it?
1: I think you should just start at the top of your list, and, and we'll just work our way through it. I don't think we need to follow any sort of format or, or anything right. like that. This is this is kind of a uh, just a an extracurricular type podcast. So we'll just wing it.
0: I like it. And I think I may uh, bring the soundboard into, into use more than I normally do, because (laughs) normally we only have it for the Kosh sound effect and for the jump gate sound effect. But I mean, I I do have quite a few of the things that I have on here and you know, the fact that the fact that Andy, that you're
1: here having to listen to it, well
0: blame yourself.
1: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see how that goes. I will note that you you have been bringing the uh, soundboard in during our ratings section. So, whenever we rate the episodes, I, I've, I've just the past couple of them, I've, I've noticed you've been incorporating that. So,
0: <laughs> I might have my reasons for that. I don't know. I think our listeners might. I <laughs> think our listeners might understand. Uh, all right, we always have the unanswered questions, and there's quite a few interesting unanswered questions here. Some of them, I think, maybe have been answered. All right. Um, So let's don't do too much in the way of spoilers, but we can just kind of say that'll be answered later, you know. So here we go. Um, Some of the unanswered questions that that I've scraped up. uh, If the future as seen in War Without End is unchangeable, then how does Sheridan survive? Well, I think we find that out in season four, so we can leave that one alone. That's not an unanswered question. Um, What exactly was done to Anna and what was actually left of her after she was removed from the shadow ship and sent to Babylon 5. We're, we, get, we get hints of it, but you know, we are to understand she's like a shell of herself. She's more obedient to the shadows. But I mean, I wonder how much of her was really in there at all. What do you think?
1: I, I got the impression that there was very little of her personality, if, if anything, left at all. I think that um, it was just somebody else driving the bus, yeah. um, because uh, the way that that John reacted to her there at the very end of, of the episode, I'm pretty sure he had determined that there was no i mean there was no real Anna left in there that this was just like like you said, a, an empty shell.
0: Yeah, and, and nuking her along with all the shadows and himself, basically was right. the most merciful thing he could do, I think. Right, kind Ka- right. kind of like in you know, like in a Salem's Lot type thing, when the when the woman becomes a vampire, the guys got to say, "Well, I got to put her out of her misery," you know, and that kind of thing. Yep,
1: you know? absolutely.
0: Um, what happened to the rest of the crew of the Icarus? Because we've gotten different stories. Was the entire crew put inside shadow ships? Were some of them killed? Were some of them held prisoner there? We don't really know exactly. I mean, so I've, I've read part of the book, that book, I, but I shouldn't have to. I had to, but um, the the Gene Cavalos book, "The Shadow Within," I believe it is. But I mm-hmm. don't think that it. I don't think it went beyond you know them getting on them getting there and stuff. So right,
1: I would I would bet that the majority of them uh, that didn't willingly go along with the the shadows. Ended up on the shadow ships because that's that's the only way they could have gotten their ships out there when they first started appearing and started helping uh, the Willari. Uh,
0: yeah, that's true. Yeah, if if those were if the crew of the Icarus were the only people that were available, then that right. would have to be true. Yeah, you're right. And again, I didn't. It's been a long time since I even read part of that book, and I don't have a copy. But um, currently, but um, M- Morden wasn't. I feel like. Morden was still himself, right, compared to Anna. They, well, they never put him inside a ship, so that's part of it.
1: Uh, I I don't know if that's ever been discussed or not. I don't know if Morden willingly went over. Because Anna didn't willingly go over, but she was still uh, subservient to the Shadows. The new Anna was subservient yeah. to the Shadows after she was pulled out.
0: Put in the ship. Uh, right?
1: But I don't know. The only reason they pulled her out was because of her relationship with, with Sheridan, mm-hmm. according to the Shadows. So maybe Morden did willingly go over.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel like he did. I just don't remember the particulars of it. I'm just wondering. I, just, I guess they weren't really controlling him other than just he's always being watched. You know, he's always got shadows around him and everything. So. Right. Man. Okay. Um. What was behind the door Anna wouldn't let Sheridan open? Remember when he starts to open that door on Zaha Doom and she's like, no, no, not over uh, there, Don. Yeah. What was back there? Hmm. It was like a guy working the controls to operate the shadows like puppets.
1: <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> it was the 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 shadow of Zahadu or the uh, Wizard of Zahadu. Wizard of Zahadu, yeah. Maybe that was like. When the Shadows heard Sheridan was coming over to visit, they, like, cleaned up that place real fast and shoved all the, the shadow pizza boxes and, and beer cans of that closet. That's what it was.
1: That was, that was you know, that's M- funny.
0: That's where Morden and Justin and the Shadows had all been partying, and they just shoved everything right. in there. That's my answer. I'm going with that until.
1: It's funny you say that, because whenever I pull out the vacuum cleaner, my six-year-old looks at me and goes, Who's coming over, Daddy?
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, how much truth was there to the shadow statements? Well, I think we, what we don't know by now, we know later. They, they didn't lie so much as just kind of frame things to make their side of the, of the story more positive. You know what I mean? Like, right. You know, like, oh, sure, we may slaughter helpless millions and billions of people, but it's all in a good cause, and certainly you'd want to get on board with that, John. What's a little genocide between friends if it eventually benefits (laughs) galactic evolution, right? Right, right, huh? Right, right. Say no more, say no more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Let's see. Why did the Shadows and the Vorlon stay behind when the other first ones left? Well, most of the other first ones. Um, It seems like because they both were still stubborn about getting their way, right? And they wanted to do their thing and they stayed behind to oppose each other.
1: Yep. Uh, Yeah, one of them decided to stay behind and the other one found out about it and stuck around to help them or to, to oppose them.
0: So here's a question that's a corollary from that. While the Shadows have been in hibernation for how many every thousand years or whatever... What have the Vorlons been doing, and how are they not able to get further ahead while they had the opportunity? It's like they were the only team on the field through the whole first and second quarter. How are you not up 50 to nothing by halftime? You know what I mean?
1: I think, A, the Shadows still had their agents working, yeah. and B, I think that the, there are so few Vorlons left, and we don't know their, their reproductive capabilities.
0: More do we um, want the, the to. Death-
1: <laughs> Right, right. The death of Kosh hit them pretty hard. I mean that that was a significant uh, a significant event in their society. There's there's Kosh right there. So they, Gosh, they, I mean, they may only have a handful of them left. I don't know. And and wh- whoever is left, they may not be able to uh, make little more little uh, forlons forlorn babies.
0: None of your business. <laughs> I, I believe you, Kosh. No, it's none of my business at all. Um, where exactly did the other first ones go? I guess they they kind of went beyond the rim, except that some of them come back and visit Sigma 957 for no apparent reason occasionally, right? Sigma 957 may be the,
1: the jump point to yeah. the next galaxy over.
0: Yeah. Oh, <coughs> yeah. No, I think you may be onto something there. That's a good thought. Yeah. That's a good thought. Um, yeah. It may be a spot. I'm here, like I'm here the, for a reason.
1: Yeah, it,
0: of course. It may be like kind of like the wormhole <laughs> in Deep Space Nine, you know, like that one place you go that gets you somewhere else, you know, or whatever. So that's yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Exactly.
1: So, oh, it, nice. And uh, astronomers are are finding out that that galaxies are now connected with with streams of stuff that they, they haven't figured out exactly how or why these galaxies are connected. So maybe that, mm. that maybe JMS was ahead of ahead of his time in in figuring this out.
0: Yeah. For sure. Um, were the Vorlons also responsible for telepathy in the Narns and the Minbari around the same time as the last war? I, I get the sense they were kind of responsible for telepathy, period.
1: Yes, I agree. I, I think yeah. they are behind all the size and all of the, all of the different uh, races.
0: Yeah. Um, was Justin a member of the Icarus crew? And if not, where did he come from?
1: I don't know. I would, I would venture to say he was part of the Icarus crew.
0: I, I feel like that's something that the book probably answers and I, again it's been <laughs> it's been uh, 25 years since I read the book so and even then I only read part of it so yeah um, let's see Anna told Sheridan time doesn't work the same way on zaha doom so how does time work there and why is it different good question yeah we don't again this is called unanswered questions so <laughs> right yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it maybe you put that many shadows in one place and weird stuff just happens, maybe. I don't know. Or there yep. they they have, you know, like you said, it's it's kinda like with the with Sigma nine five seven, if that's like a cosmic jump point area, maybe the same yep. kind of thing affects the area around Zahadoom.
1: Time time dilation and all that.
0: Yeah. Were there other shadow cities on Zaha or was that the only one? I don't know. Um why did the Shadows warn Londo?
1: They already parted ways. That That is a good question. I think they maybe had further use of Londo. Yeah,
0: it. it I was just thinking it might be now that Rifa is no longer available, they may feel like he's their only option now to go back to. Right, right. I remember... I had forgotten Shadow Agent, the unnamed Mr. Morden wannabe, Lil, Lil, Lil Morden that shows up there. But he's he's a, he's a collectible card game card, and I always used to think, where'd this guy come from? Shadow Agent, they just make him up, and then I saw that episode, I'm like, oh, it's Shadow Agent. Cool, there he is, yeah. So it was neat to see somebody from the cards that was so obscure. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got just a few more of these, and then we'll get to a different topic here. Um, where were the Minbari ships when the Shadow Ships appeared? Because, well, all right, it seemed to me like the Shadow Ships just appeared right on top of the station inside the perimeter that the Membari ships had set.
1: And if the Membari ships had tried to fire on the Shadow Ships, they could have hit the station. This is true. Or, remember, the several Minbari ships, or at least one of the big Minbari ships, was destroyed mm. uh, at the last big space battle. So they may have had to... Go for repairs, or they may have pulled back for for a time until, mm. you know, they were able to recuperate the the damage and the loss of life and all that. I don't know. That's a good question. This is true.
0: There you go. Um, whatever happened to Mister Garibaldi? Well, we'll find out. We know we'll find that one. Out. Yep. Um, and why did they take him? Um, let's see. We only got a couple left. Was Justin the man in between from Sheridan's Dream and All Alone in the Night? The man in between is looking for you, remember? Mm-hmm. I think he was. Uh, if he's equivalent to Sheridan, does that mean he's in control of the Shadows? I don't think he was. I think he was just mm-hmm. kind of like their representative, their sales representative. Right. <laughs> Morden's like the salesman. He's like the regional manager. Justin's like the right. regional manager.
1: <laughs> and he may have been coordinating a lot of the stuff that the Shadows were doing with Earth, like with the the Psycorps uh, and stuff like yeah. that, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what, you know what the Shadows always say to Justin? Mm-mm. A B C, Justin, always be closing. Always be closing.
1: <laughs> have those TPS reports
0: uh, ready when we need them.
1: That, that's yeah, that's from Glenn Gary, Glen Ross.
0: I it is know. yeah, that was uh, just reviewed on uh, the, the the rewatchables last week. I have to I gotta watch that movie. It's been a long time. Um, do the shadows not know about the Walkers at Sigma Nine Five Seven? Because Justin said only two elder races stayed behind. So well, th- but that's. The walkers at Sigma Nine Five Seven aren't like whole races. They're just like it seems to me. They're just kind of like stragglers, right? Just pop up just occasionally. Pass they're passing through. Yeah, just pop, pa, they pop in to have a fun word with with Ivanova and Marcus, and then <laughs> right. pop back out again. Fine, I'll get a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Dolin says that nobody returns from Doom the same as they arrived. How does she know this, and what does she mean by it? Is it simply a matter of all visitors to, Zah- visitor to Zah- Doom, uh end up inside a shadow ship, or what exactly does that mean? It's a good question that she asks, how, to, how does she know that? And I would assume it's because she's heard this from like what happened in the previous war. Right. Got to be right. That's the only way she'd know
1: <coughs> Right. Yeah. I would agree. They, I mean, they, I don't know, they know what happened to the, the crew of the Icarus. Or at least they they yeah. know somewhat. Yeah. So maybe that's how. Maybe that or maybe she's of, just maybe she's just continue. being being hyperbolic.
0: Yeah, Yeah, could be. She does. She she is known to do that to kind of like make it you know turn a melodramatic phrase right. or paragraph. Sure. Um, she, she's a bit of a drama queen. She <laughs> thanks to JMS. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why didn't the shadows detect the PPG in Sheridan's leg, and why didn't they detect the white? Why didn't they destroy the white star when they had a chance? Eh, I mean, part of it is plot right. for reasons, you know, and part of it I think is you could make some stuff up. So, eh, right, techno babble. Um, is Sheridan the one who is already dead according to Lady Morella's prophecy? Ah, we'll leave that one for the future. For the future. Um, Kosh said he wouldn't be there to help if Sheridan went to Zaha Doom, but Kosh was kind of there, although <laughs> kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi at the end of Star Wars. Right. Um, what would Kosh have done if he had been there? He wouldn't have gone. Right.
1: No, he he there's no way he would
0: have gone. No, there's no way he would have gone. Would he have brought the Vorlon fleet screaming in there when when Sheridan was threatened or something? like? No, I, I the, yeah, the, equi- I mean, the equivalent, it would have been the equivalent for Justin and Morden and Anna of Severed Dreams, where they're all sitting there having that conversation, and Justin's like, You'll do what you're told, Sheridan. And then all of a sudden, do, 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 and like jump points open up around Side Doom, and here comes the freaking Vorlon fleet with the, you know, all that. And uh, Justin would be like, or, you know, you could just go in peace. <laughs> <laughs> have a good rest of your life, John. Don't listen to us. Yeah,
1: I think that's what they, they call these days escalation. That would have uh, yeah. raised the stakes of, of the, the Galactic War a little bit. A little
0: bit. A little bit. Uh, this is the second time Sheridan has had to leap from a great height to avoid a bomb. Both times Kosh was involved, though Sheridan didn't know that the first time. Right. So that's interesting, huh? Um,
1: why, well, my question is, why did he have to think about it the second time? I mean, he, you, you figured he would have known that Kosh knows what he's talking about.
0: Yeah, I. When, my when sense was he's like, jumping. what good is it going to do me to jump off this balcony if there's, you know, A, the bottom of the balcony coming up, and B, gigantic nuclear warheads about to go off. It's not like somebody standing on the fifth floor in Hiroshima jumped off the hotel right. <laughs> and was saved from the atomic bomb, you know. So it, it wasn't exactly intuitive, you know what I mean? Jumping off that balcony was not an intuitive way to save yourself from giant hydrogen bombs, I don't think, or whatever they are, you know. That, Nox- that's a, a, a Nox- valid bombs. Yeah, yeah.
1: O- oxygen bombs.
0: What was it What was it on Stargate? Nakwita bombs, I think? Nakwita? Nakwita? I,
1: I, I am not versed with Stargate at all. Oh, man. I've seen like four <sighs> episodes of that. Wrong!
0: <laughs> Yeah, they have some kind of substance on Stargate called, I think, Naquita. And it it makes really powerful batteries and stuff, I think. And it also makes like a really heck of a bomb. So just ask Rodney, who accidentally blew up a planet one time. But we won't go there. Um, uh, Let's see. Uh, I think we're getting... Oh, did Susan sent something about Sheridan telepathically at the end? Ooh,
1: that's a good one. I like that question.
0: Yeah. Could have been. Yeah. She
1: didn't really get to use her telepathy
0: for anything else in the last few, in this whole season or whatever. You know, they dangled it All out right. there, and then it was interesting, interesting. but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. All right. I think that's unanswered questions. Um, D- let's see. Here's just, here's a few odds in ends. Delenn told Sebastian the same thing the Shadows told Sheridan. If they're killed, another will come along and take their place. So I'm glad that the Vorlons and the Shadows agree on something anyway. <laughs> <laughs> another will come to take their place. Um, Anna claims that the Shadows believe they'll die if anything Vorlon touches Zaha Doom. Is that simply a superstition? I guess I did have a couple more questions. Or do they have some reason to think it's true? And it turned out it wasn't too far from the truth because the sh- <laughs> right. the White Star is partly Vorlon.
1: Right. I don't think it's the, the, the White Star that killed them, though. I think it was the uh, nuclear weapons going off that actually killed them.
0: Yeah, I would I would definitely put more emphasis on the gigantic bombs exploding than on the little <laughs> ship that carried them down. The ship of many sizes that carried them down. Right. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about the white star being completely impossible to define in terms of size, and I think that's fine. Um, Sheridan's first question to Justin is, who are you? Did you notice how uncomfortable it made Justin when he said that?
1: Yeah. He did yeah, not want to answer cool. it.
0: And he answered it in a very right. circular, circumlocutious Yep. Yeah. Way. That was interesting. Um, it's almost like the shadows say, what do you want? And the Vorlons say, who are you, huh? hmm Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, the shadows don't seem to have very good security. They failed to detect that, sh- that Sheridan had that other gun, but maybe they just didn't think it was that big of a deal. I don't know. I mean, clearly he used it to good effect because he was able to escape that room. Right. It'd been funny if he broke out of that room, gun blazing, went around the corner, opened the door, and there all the pizza boxes and beer cans fell out. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it! Wrong door! She told me not to open this door, dang it. I'm going to keep riding that one for maximum effect. I'm sorry. Uh, Let's see. Okay, so Sheridan has now destroyed the Black Star and the White Star. (laughs) He really is
1: (laughs) Star (laughs) Killer.
0: I hadn't thought of that. That's
1: so good. Both, both with nukes, no less. Both with nukes. He was
0: on. He was. Man. He flew one of them. The other, he just kind of like set a trap for. So yeah, right. good guy, Star Killer. Star Killer. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> um, the Shadow's actions are they at odds with their stated goal? They want They want to bring races together to, against each other to fight. But instead, what they keep doing is unifying everybody against them. They're kind of promoting unity and cooperation. That's fair. I would argue the Shadows did more to promote unity and cooperation by far than the Vorlons did.
1: Right. Not, Vor- not on purpose, though. They inadvertently yeah. did that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The I mean, honestly, the Vorlons just kind of stood around and said, wait, the Vorlons just kind of stood around. Huh cool that's pretty much that's pretty much what they did do you remember it was Sheridan that had to say if you don't get off your encounter suited butts and do something right what were they gonna do that's crazy
1: you know um, going back to what going back to what you oh, said about Sheridan yeah you that, that just made me think mm-hmm. he is a very low-key like superhero type character you know it, it in, in most movies he would be so over the top you know, people will be calling him a a, a, a a Marty Lou or whatever they call that, the the oh. ridiculous characters that nobody can believe how he's wrapped up in all this awesome stuff yeah. and does all this all these incredible over the top deeds, you know. Mm-hmm. But because he is such a solid, grounded character, you don't even think about it. He's very low key superheroic. I mean it's it's amazing. What he's accomplished. I mean, you look at like the John Carter novels or something like that, where John Carter does all this stuff, you know, on Mars and takes over Mars and becomes the warlord or blah, 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 blah. blah. And he's so ridiculously over the top that it, it, it's almost laughable. But here, Sheridan is doing, you know, a lot of the same type of superheroic deeds, you know, accomplishing things that nobody should be able to, to, to do. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it in such a low-key ma- manner that it's 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 totally believable.
0: No, yeah, for sure. Well, it's the Flash Gordon paradigm, right? Science fiction has like how many ever various heroic paradigms, and the Flash Gordon one is there's a there's an enemy that is dividing and conquering, and it and it's the outsider that comes in and brings everybody together because he's an outsider. So he can appeal to each of them without seeming like he's has his own agenda. You know, Prince Baron right. wouldn't trust Prince Thun because, oh, you're just trying to help Arborea against the Hawkmen. You know, you don't care about the rest of us right. um, or whatever. But Flash shows up and he doesn't have his own agenda. And by the way, it's Flash. That's Flash Gordon, but that's also Lawrence of Arabia. It's the same. It's the same character, right. you know, and right, um, right, right. the guy that's neutral and not part of any of the tribes. And that's what Sheridan is. He brings together all the non-aligned worlds along with the Minbari and I guess a couple of others because uh, and the Vorlons more or less because because everybody trusts him because he doesn't he, and it it I think it I hadn't thought about this before until you brought this up. But holy cow, I think it, it I think it helps Sheridan to win the Shadow War that he's currently not part of the Earth government because now he is Flash Gordon and not just Earth ambassador dude, you know what I mean? Right. So the aliens are more likely to trust guy who got kicked out of the Earth Alliance or declared independence from it than they
1: would be soldier of the Earth Force. Right, absolutely. But just look at what he he has accomplished just on, on his personal resume. Okay, he's the only human to destroy a, a Minbari ship. Check. He's, he's the only human that destroyed the Shadow Home City. Check. I mean, by himself. By himself. You know, oh, uh, yeah. he jumped, right, he jumped of a of a bombed uh, uh, shuttle, you know, on Babylon 5 and was rescued by an angel. I mean, all <laughs> these things, it would have most people rolling their eyes like, oh, come on, what else has he done? But, like I said, because it is so well written, it, it, it's it, we don't even think about it. He outsmarted Jack the Ripper, right? Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, it, it's 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 funny. Successfully declared you know, Captain independent Kirk from the is a legend. Earth. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, Captain Kirk is a legend on Star Trek because of you know all the crazy stuff he does and and whole races hate him and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. You know, Sheridan is just like yeah, you know. I, that was just part of the job. <laughs> Smiling Johnny. It's crazy. We ain't called Smiling Johnny for nothing. Um,
0: yeah, good stuff. Um, the concept of someone being a Nexus also appeared in the novel The Demolished Man by Alfred Bester, which contains the inspiration for the Sci-core. Uh, It's su- it suggested that the, f- that the Nexus yep. is a focal point that can cause tremendous changes, not only to the lives of other people, but to the very structure of the universe. Well, watch this space, because Season 4 is coming, right, and Season 5. Um, yep. And then finally, I didn't realize this, but when Dillon says what is past is prologue, that is from The Tempest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. T- the Tempest tends to be yep. the Shakespeare play that shows up in science fiction more than any other, in my opinion. Seems like it. Obviously, yeah. the Forbidden Planet was That's, The Tempest, right? The whole thing.
1: Right, right, right. All right. That that this sh- just shows the brilliance of the bard. Oh, absolutely.
0: hundred percent. Um, JMS has a few uh, odds and ends here uh, let's see he says by the last few episodes of season 3 pretty much all my cards are on the table but by the last episode of this season we find the game we've assumed we've been playing ain't necessarily the game at all the show takes a fairly <laughs> subversive direction in all the seasons so and of all the seasons so far that one that follows year four represents the greatest writing challenge to actually make this work Um which was another reason why it was important to get the Babylon 4 storyline and several other threads out in the open and clear the decks because it's going to take every bit of whatever talent I've got to pull it off. By the way, that was the thing I was going to say. is you were talking about Sheridan and all of his resume, think about right. if he hadn't been split off from Sinclair. Right. Because now he's Valen Oh, two. wow. <laughs>
1: right.
0: Now <get> all <laughs> that other stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think – I think it was kind of justification after the fact, when JMS said that he wanted to separate the Sinclair stuff from the Sheridan stuff, that originally was the same character. I, You know, I, I don't think that that was what he originally wanted to do. I think that that's what he ended up having to do, and he justified it by saying, well, it works better this way anyway, which I think is true.
1: Right. I, I don't think he justified it. I think he realized that it yeah. worked better. And was was when, when he it was, after was, he
0: was forced to do it, he then realized right that it was that it was exactly. a better thing to yeah. do. Yeah, I agree. I yep. agree. All right.
1: Be, being a writer, both you and I, being a writer, we know how sometimes those happy little accidents just oh. make the story fall together so much better.
0: Dude, if it wasn't for happy little accidents, I would have no writing talent at all. <laughs> <laughs> I rely on things just working out, and I do my little happy dance at the desk when it happens. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so jms says year four is the point in the novel where you're just past the halfway mark you know the reader thinks he or she's got the story sussed out the reader knows all your tricks by now or thinks they do you've been pulling doves out of your hat for 243 pages now you damn well better be able to pull out an alligator (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one uh let's see uh, he After he finished the Doom script, he said, Well, it's done. I have officially turned in the draft of script 22 for year three, which I suppose could be called a cliffhanger. I guess a, a balcony hanger episode is what I would call it. Right. <laughs> um, it was on a cliff. It was. Well, yeah. This marks the first time in the 50-plus year history of American television that one person has single-handedly written an entire season of a series. Uh, the closest record is Terry Nation, who wrote the 13-episode first season of Blake Seven. He said, I have no plans to do this in Season 4, but he did do it in Season 4. He doesn't let somebody else write an episode until well into Season 5. And then only right. then it's like two people, I think, right? Two, maybe? Right. There's a Neil Gaiman episode, and there's a Harlan Ellison co-written episode, and that's that's more or less it, it I think. It,
1: if, if you're going to let two other authors, two other writers come in and play in your sandbox, those are two of the, <laughs> the best choices that you can possibly <laughs> no, make.
0: No kidding. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: for those of you that haven't seen Season 5, there is a Neil Gaiman episode coming up, so just buckle up, because that one's a lot of fun. Kind of a standalone, but it also calls back to other stuff. Uh, Let's see. So far, the film, based on... Okay, he's just saying some nifty stuff is coming. I'm just looking for the highlights here. Um, Talking about writing the entire Season 3, he says, It was a hideous task. Two-thirds through, I began to understand that there was a reason nobody's ever done it before. (laughs) You'd have to, be, have to be out of your ever-loving mind to even try. All uh, right. But as with everything else on B5, if we don't know it's impossible, we just go ahead and do it. That's good. I, I was going to say, I would imagine the only way he was able to do it was that after you've done it that many times, you must just have a feel for how long to write you're not having to stop and check and go now is this 20 minutes or 25 you probably just by that point you know exactly how many times to click your fingers on the keyboard and you're going to have a 40 minute episode right
1: right right just just like jack kirby sitting down at the artboard to draw one of the dozens Mm. of comic books he drew every month i mean the the man was a machine but yeah yeah, he knew exactly how to pace you know every comic book that he drew and, and they all came out to be pretty spectacular so yeah it, it's almost like muscle memory creative muscle yeah. memory I guess yeah.
0: I think so I think it had to be and I get that way I mean you know occasionally I do three or four books a year at most and by the time I get to like the third one I have a pretty good feel for what I'm doing it's it's. I've always said with writing and I'll see if you probably, you probably will agree with this let's see I've always said with writing you know it's like there's this enormous inertia when you're not riding. That it's hard to get started, it's like trying to roll a big boulder. But then once yep. you get it going, it's hard to stop because you don't want to stop. But if right, you do exactly. stop, then it's hard to get started again. <laughs> yes, it's, it, it's hard to do what you're not doing. Right, it's easier to keep doing what you're doing.
1: It, 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 it's like that with with anything. I used to play football as well, and it, mm. and if you're if you're playing regularly and you get in the zone, they call it, mm-hmm. you can have a spectacular game. But if, you know, if, if it gets broken up or the coach takes you out or you get injured or something like that, yeah, then, you know, it, it just spoils the rest of the season for you. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's, it's just, yeah, you, you're focused. I mean, you get that focus, whether it's writing or, or you know, playing football or, or driving a race car. If you're doing it constantly, you know, mm-hmm. you if you are able to focus, you can do anything. I mean, you can be you know you you can do do stuff that that you you would normally think was impossible
0: yeah no for sure and i and goodness knows i mean how many episodes in a row, he wrote he wrote all of season 3 the end of season 2 all of 3 all of 4 and the first part of 5 so that's about 55 60 episodes in a row that he wrote without a break something like that right that's amazing
1: right. and i uh, mean to to you know it, it was spread over a couple of years so it's not like he was doing this You know, weekly for two years straight. And you know, he was doing
0: part of it. You know, we we haven't really talked about his health issues, but he was getting sicker and sicker while he was working on this show, and the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. It was like like an episode of House. It really was like an episode of House where they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. All they knew was it's almost never lupus. But... (laughs) <laughs> I used to we used to watch House and it was just so funny how every episode they their one of their first things was well we can't figure out what this is so maybe it's lupus and then it never was and so there was an episode right. like season 4 or something where they one doctor says well, what do you think it is and the guy goes well it's almost never lupus <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's like yeah yeah there we go
0: So um um right so he was sick and they didn't know what it was and he finally found he, he um, I think, like an inspector came in to inspect the building, the the hot tub warehouse factory, right? Yeah. And the guy, the guy sees JMS sitting at his desk up against the wall, and he goes around to the room facing that, you know, like the like like the other room next door, where if you you know you're on the other side of the wall from his desk, and the the, the inspector comes back and says, "Do you sit there all the time?" <laughs> and JMS is like, "Yeah." Like 24 hours a day, basically. And the guy's like, You're right around the wall from a big electrical junction box system thing, and the electromagnetic field coming off that thing is huge. How are you not getting headaches and body aches and oh, all and JMS is like, wow. well, I am. <laughs> so he moved his desk to like the other side of the room or a different room, and he was fine. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow! That's
0: all it was—he just didn't look on the other side of the wall. Well, why would you?
1: Yeah. Well, why would you? Yeah. yeah it's not so. like there's some sort of evil machine trying to kill you on the other side of the wall. What?
0: <laughs> <It was. laughs> wonder if it was in the shadows in the other room? Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, um, I don't know if they ever. I don't remember. Let's go back and look because this is an interesting question. Did they? Um, did when did they air? I'm gonna. I want to look at the dates. Okay. 'Cause I wanna know if they made people wait freaking forever or what. So Shadow Dancing Shadow Dancing aired October twenty-first of ninety-six. Zaha Doom aired October twenty-eighth. Okay, so they didn't have to wait but a week for Zaha Doom. Right. And then the the next episode aired November four. Okay, so they pretty much ran this episode right into season four. Now I want to go back for just a second and see. No, um, Gray seventeen is missing. Was October? Walkabout. What about War Without End? May. Okay, so War Without End Part Two was May twentieth. Right. And Walkabout yes. was September. So between between War Without End Part Two and Walkabout, they went the entire summer. Right. Which they is used weird, to do
1: that. it's so weird. because it used to be you do your May sweeps, you'd finish up the season, you'd have the summer off and then start up again in fall. Mm-hmm. They did the May sweeps and then just waited. Pushed, they one, two, three, four. they pushed five episodes into the fall, yeah, right. Now I'm curious if they filmed them and just didn't release them until the fall or if they if production took a break over the summer.
0: Oh, that's a, I don't know.
1: I it's just weird. I think they filmed them and they just didn't didn't air them yet. Right, because right. because because they were syndicated. Mm-hmm. You know that that may have that, that may be an entirely different beast than than regular yeah. um, broadcast. That's, it just seems
0: weird because if you didn't keep up with things, you would one hundred percent think that season three ended with War Without End part two, and that Walkabout was the premiere episode of season. The only way you wouldn't know that was the credits at the beginning.
1: Right. That's interesting.
0: That's so weird. That's I just weird. don't understand that. I just don't understand that. What's the point of having a a season uh, cliffhanger if you're just going to turn right around and roll right. right into the next season the next week while having right. to make, while making people wait for three months a month
1: earlier? You it, know, it, it, I'm sure it's got something to do with the the economics and the logistics of of uh, of um, syndication syndication is a weird it is. Well, at least back in the 80s and 90s it, it was it was really weird i mean you had shows that were more popular than any other i mean like baywatch was the most popular show in the world and it was on syndication and and it it was weird yeah no that's star trek the next generation was the only sh- there's two shows that were on in every single market in north america one was star trek the next generation the other one was uh uh, what's that? The game show with, with Vanna and oh, Vanna Wheel of White. Fortune, yeah, yeah, Wheel of Fortune. Those were the only two shows that anybody in any city in North America could watch. Those two shows,
0: yeah, how about that? That's interesting. Um, JMS says today we did the final audio mix of Zaha Doom, all of the effects were in place, the sound, the music. After we did the piecemeal mix layering in things in a stop-and-go fashion, we did our playback, watching the episode straight through. I don't think anyone was breathing for the fourth act. Everyone was just wog-boggled. The emotional impact of it all is quite strong. When the lights came up and I looked around at the stunned faces in the room, the only thing I could say was, Welcome to history, gentlemen. Nice. I, I, you know... If it wasn't what it was, you'd be like, that's a little arrogant, you know. But no, he was right. <laughs> he he yep. was
1: absolutely right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned the, the sound mixing and stuff like that. And uh, the one little tidbit that I did come up with while doing my research was um, that scream that Anna did when the, the white star was coming down, burning and yeah, destroying everything. That scream took 30 takes. She had to scream 30 times at the top of her lungs before they got the, the right scream. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. They were, just, they, they were just not satisfied with it until, until finally either they just gave up and picked one or, or she finally got it, nailed it on the 30th try. But yeah, That,
0: that reminds me of, uh, of when they were filming The Fellowship of the Ring and uh, Peter Jackson was trying to get the sound of the Nazgul. And he had these guys in there and they were going, ah, you know, and he's like, no, no, no. And they just kept trying different monster noises. He's like, no, no, no. And they brought this woman in and she went, he's like, there (laughs) we go. That's it. Yes. Just a a primal (laughs) scream was what he wanted. Not, not just a growl. (laughs) That's funny. Um, Yeah, he said, JMS says, one of the things I like about the episode is the emotional content as it builds toward the end of the episode. I've watched it a half a dozen times or more while they were working on it, but certain sequences never stop being interesting. It's an emotional roller coaster. It takes you in every direction and drops you. Uh, Read the Revelation scene. We actually shot that entire sequence with the notion of possibly re-editing Revelations and inserting the Melissa piece instead sort of TV by way of Soviet revisionism. And of course it was always that way. Okay. So in other words, they thought about going back and redoing episode two, right. Of this season and putting Melissa Gilbert in, in place of the other actress, but they left it like it was. I think that's fine. Yeah. That, that gets a little much too much to Anakin Skywalker for me, where you go put, what's his name in place of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, he says we did film her doing that entire message, so we had that option. They did film her giving that three episode two uh, you know little recording just in case. So it's out there somewhere
1: that's that's interesting. It is, yeah. Um, and you you would have figured that with the the uh, the HD releases and all that stuff and them going back and cleaning everything up that they would have just gone in and and slipped that in there. But I guess uh, I guess they never thought about it. So
0: was using Melissa Gilbert instead of Beth Toussaint Bruce's idea? And JMS says, no, it was my idea. It was a scheduling situation involving availabilities. If it wasn't her, it would have had to be someone else. So I figured, why not? So basically, they could use Melissa Gilbert, and they just figured, why not? It wasn't like I would prefer to think that they're like, hey, let's go get Melissa Gilbert, you know? But eh. right, I'm glad they did though because that I, I liked them as a couple back then in the day, you know, and I'm glad they got to do yep. something together like that. And they, yeah, they were I, actually I, go ahead.
1: I think it added a lot of impact to to their scenes together. No, I think we discussed that last, last episode. Yeah.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. Um, let's see. They did restage some of the things that had been seen in War Without End just because they had Melissa there and so forth. Um, was the destruction of the vessel in Walkabout the catalyst that caused the Shadows to send Anna? And JMS says it's certainly gotten their attention, but it's the events in Shadow Dancing that tipped them into moving directly. Hmm. Um, before this episode, someone asked JMS if the Shadows can get to Kosh... Why are Delyn and Sheridan still alive? And he says it's a good question that we'll answer in the last episode. So the whole idea of he was a, a Nexus and he would be replaced and all that I think is interesting. Right, right. And 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 by the way, JMS takes a pretty strong sort of editorial opinion on the whole idea of the one the importance of the one figure in history. So without any spoilers, I'll just say there is an episode coming up a bit down the road that very explicitly addresses the idea. Of how important is one person versus could anybody do it? You know what I mean?
1: Right. right. I like
0: that. I like that. Yeah. Um, Oh, he did get asked what was behind the door and he said pizza pizza boxes. No, no, I'm just kidding. And he, he says... He, he, they said, what was behind the door Anna warned John away from? He says, in a way, I was going more for the visual, the image. The whole show is a matter of what door do you choose to go through and the door not taken. If you wanted mm. to take the scene literally, then since that room adjoined Justin's, the shadows were inside. Or you could take it more metaphorically. Gotcha. Or you can take it that there were pizza boxes and beer cans. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I'm going to go. Is the shadow story true? JMS says what Sheridan was told in that episode by the Shadows concerning their motives is absolutely true from their point of view.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the old axiom is that, you know, the, the best, every villain thinks he's the hero. Oh, the Shadows 100% think they're the heroes. Look at all that right.
0: they've done right. to, to speed up evolution across the galaxy. Of course. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. Um, the Shadows and the Vorlons don't seem to know who they are or what they want. And and JMS says, that's an extremely good and cogent analysis. And you hit the theme right on the head. One will explore in year four. Um, It was presaged with infection right in the first season, the first episode shot. Sinclair says in the ultimate moment in that conflict, you forgot the first rule of the fanatic. When you become obsessed with the enemy, you become the enemy. That is what is happening here with these two and other parties. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The Shadows and the Vorlons are becoming each other almost in a way. Yep. Like, that's like that's, an old married couple. Vickers and fights, <laughs> but they stay together. It'd be <laughs> yes. interesting if like the crazy uncle were to show up from the basement, <laughs> wouldn't it? I wonder how that could ever happen. Uh, get the crazy uncle to show up and then uh, the, the old married couple could maybe eventually stop fighting. We'll see. Um... Oh, did Justin go to Zahadum on the Icarus? No, he was assigned there later. So the Shadows recruited him in sometime later on and assigned him to Zahadum. That's interesting. He was out deciding how long the women's skirts were going to be that year and all that crap that he was... <laughs> Not nonsense he was spouting. Who, who decides how, how long the women's skirts are going to be? Who decides who writes every episode of season four? I'm with you know, them.
1: I, okay. I'm thinking that... The Shadows weren't really interested in women's skirts?
0: No. No, they... I mean... Unless it was the Psycor skirt. That could be. Yeah. I'm sure they took a very proprietary interest in in how long uh, Talia's skirt would have been. No, way, that's me. I'm sorry. My bad. (laughs) I was
1: thinking about myself there. Whoops. Okay. So so the, the Star Trek original series, is that where the Shadows had more sway in the skirt length? Or well, less I've... sway in the skirt length. Because oh. that, could, you know, that could sway me as to whether or not to root for the shadows. It's fair. It's a fair
0: point. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Oh, the skirts. Um, let's see. Um, what influence did Justin have over the shadows? Justin thought he had some influence, but perception and reality are often at odds. So, in oh. other words, Justin's, Justin thinks that he's the, the regional manager. But in in actuality, he's a minimum wage worker right. back in the uh, back in the warehouse. He is he's, not he's what the, he thinks
1: he's. He's the head bag boy who thinks he's in charge of the whole show.
0: <laughs> who decides which paper sack we use? I'm with them. <laughs> I keep doing my. I, did, I had no idea coming into the show tonight that I was going to be doing a Justin impression. So there you go. You just never know. You're a
1: very going. you're very versatile with your impressions. I, I I'm, pfft. I'm impressed. I. Pfft. Not for while you had, monkey boy. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um. Let's see. Uh, why weren't there more ships guarding Babylon Five? JMS says most would have been getting repaired <laughs> after their recent. Yeah, they were after their fight. We talked about that. That's right. And then, yeah, okay. as I said, the Shadows phased in too close to B Five for for ship to ship combat or anything from Epsilon Three. So yeah, that that was. We were pretty much all over that one. I think I, I'd forgotten. Yeah. You,
1: about that, so. Our listeners didn't see, but I gave the touchdown symbol. Yes,
0: touchdown. I I don't I don't have a um. You know I, that's incredible that I've never noticed until now that I don't have the touchdown, um, I don't have the touchdown Auburn thing that Jim Fy famously yelled because I absolutely would have hit it just now. I have this. Holy cow! Oh my god! (laughs) From the kick six, but I don't have touchdown Auburn. I'm so. I also have this. A miracle to hair! A miracle turned hair! Ah, I've got all kinds of stuff, but I don't have touchdown Auburn. i got to get that. Wow. How, uh, it's crazy that on the Babylon 5 show, I realize I don't have like the most classic sound effect right. in the history of our football. <laughs> thing. All right. Well, anyway. Uh, how did Sheridan get so bloodied? He, it was interesting that he looked like he'd been through a, through a alley fight, didn't it?
1: Yeah. I, I think we addressed that, or at least asked that question last episode. We're, mm-hmm. we're curious... All the stuff that we missed in between, because the one scene he was like all nice and spiffy, the next scene he was all beat up and bloody and has gun out.
0: Well, I and and you can kind of imagine it, but I, I I it's one of those things where I feel like the writer gets to a certain point and says, "This is the implausible part," so right. I have to just let you imagine that it worked out, right? Because if right. I actually try to film Sheridan battling the shadows and all he gets is some scratches then yeah. you're going to be like, no, nah, that ain't going to work. So we'll just have him walk out, and you're like, wow, Sheridan's a badass. He took yeah. out all the shadows." <laughs> yeah, you hit to improbability speed and had to do that. but um,
1: add, add that one to his resume.
0: Yeah. So JMS Under. says, my thought was there was just one sh- the one shadow in the room. There was a tussle with some others. And then Sheridan started running, made a break for it didn't seem worth the time to show what would have been a few minutes of hit and run well, and it wouldn't it would have I, I think it, it it would it would have been hard to believe again, it's one of those things that's just better that you don't see it so you can imagine that somehow it worked right. out but um but it 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 also speaks to what we talked about last time that that whole scene was so short- mm-hmm. He's on Zahadoom for like 10 minutes if that yep.
1: He accomplished a lot.
0: Yeah. Uh, He fought his way out. This picks up right after that. The PPG burst would have wounded the shadow, allowing him time to scramble out of there before Morden could draw. He then had to fight. Didn't Morden have his other gun? He did. He took it from him, yeah. Yeah. He then had to fight some some other humans in the area, scramble down some ridges into the cave areas, and then walk out. Well, I would have liked to have seen that. Gosh, that would be... This is one of those things where I've always said, I wish that JMS, or I wish he would get somebody to write the whole thing as a gigantic, like, Lord of the rings size novel because I want the novelized parts we didn't get to see in the show.
1: Right, right. The novelizations were always so much more fun.
0: Oh, man, yeah. Do you know, by the way, here's a factoid we'll probably never get to on our show normally. Do you know that um, there was going to be a novelization of... The River of Souls, I think. I, I think
1: did not that's know the one that.
0: that I think that's the one they never did. I know they did in the beginning. I think they did mm-hmm. Third Space. I think they did a Call to Arms, but I think they never did a novelization of The River of Souls and the reason was they brought in a pretty well-known writer on a contract to do it and he did an outline. It was going to be like it's it was going to be like 70 pages long. <laughs> there just wasn't enough story to that episode, you know. Right. To, to right. that movie. It was a very short movie. And they said <coughs> JMS basically said, "Well, you know, when you do something like this, you flesh it out. You add stuff and all." And he's like, "Yeah, I don't want to do that." So they just didn't do it. They let him out of the contract and didn't do it. I can't I can't remember who it was. Um he'll come to me but it was a fairly maybe Robert Sheckley I can't remember it might have been Robert Sheckley but he just said nah I, I don't want to do it I you know, I, I, can't give you more than 70 pages of it whereas you know Peter David would come up with 150 pages of his own stuff and just blend it right in right. it was fine
1: so. right exactly
0: yeah Peter David should have written all of it I like Gene Cavalos okay and and of course my friend um, that um, did the uh, where are they I'm, I'm just looking for the Sycor books um, oh yeah. The the final reckoning and Dark Genesis and Deadly Relations that Greg Keyes wrote. Um He is, he's one of my favorite authors of all time. Yeah, Greg is awesome. He he did uh, he does a lot of Greg is interesting because he does uh he does standalone books of his own and then he does a lot of media tie-in stuff too. Right. And so he did like an X-Men. I think he did the novelization of X-Men 2, he among did. Other things. Um yeah, it's I, I just realized, like yesterday on a thing on Facebook, how many media tie-in novel authors I'm friends with, and it's ridiculous. Because <laughs> Keith the Candidate was one of my best friends in the world. There's Greg Cox. There's um, Greg Keyes. And um, oh, there's another one I'm forgetting that I've known forever. Um, but they they, they do these, you know, and people, because they, ta- they were on there talking about how people don't even understand what those are. Right. I Yeah, I saw that. That yeah, yeah, was correct. an interesting conversation, yeah. Yeah, I've read them my whole life, haven't you? I mean, didn't you always read the novelization books?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I, I I can remember going. I read the novelization of Star Wars. Uh, what was it? Oh, the novelization of Clash of the Titans was awesome. Mm-hmm. That was a huge book.
0: Oh yeah, I'm sure. What um, the those guys have kind of become the kings of novelization these days, uh, along with um, Terry Brooks, and Alan others. Dean Foster. Alan but but I was gonna say, but the king of all was Alan Dean Foster and he yeah. ghost he was the ghost writer for the Star Wars novel. And he's done a lot of other stuff too. He's yeah. the only one I don't know. <laughs> I just never right. met him. <laughs> I just never known him, but yeah, it's funny. Uh, oh Peter, I, I remember, hey, Peter David. I remember
1: of re- Yeah. I know him I too. I remember reading reading the um, novelizations of the, the Star Trek T V series when I was like seven or eight years old. Oh yeah. The, the Blish. Yeah, yeah, James Flish. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Star Trek Reader, it was called. It was a whole series of them. I got the hardcover collection yeah, there it right is. Here. There it is right there. <laughs> I was disappointed. Very I got cool. this
0: beautiful, um, it's like the Barnes & Noble or whatever, hardcover of it. And I was disappointed that it doesn't contain every episode. It just kind of has like the best episodes. So Yeah. I yeah. used to have the little paperbacks that had all of them. Because I remember he passed away when he was doing the last volume, volume 12, and his wife had to finish it for him. Um, Star Trek Twelve. Um, let's see if I've got a few more of these. Um, definitely shadows chasing Sheridan down the hallway. Um, why didn't the Vorlons reveal the shadows' motives? JMS says because they don't trust us. They know what's best for us and would rather make the decisions for us. That means controlling right. information.
1: Right. The, the Vorlons certainly don't think of the the younger races as equals.
0: No, no, not at all. I mean, look at how even Kosh, who was like the good Vorlon, even look how he talked to everybody and treated everybody like trash, pretty much. Sheridan is a hero in the Heinleinian tradition. He does the logical thing, whatever that is, to survive. So why does he jump off the balcony? Okay, I'm about to get vaporized, but if that hole is several miles deep, it might shield me and keep me alive for another 10 seconds. Yes, there's the splat at the end problem, but I'll have 10 more seconds to figure out that problem. (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's so good. Uh, Somebody asked, how deep is that hole? And JMS said, several miles, maybe a lot more. So if Sheridan jumped into a hole several miles deep, maybe a lot more... Maybe he didn't get vaporized by the giant bombs exploding,
1: right? It could be it. it, You know, it would take you several minutes to fall that far. Yeah, I mean, I would think the force would catch
0: up to him, but maybe there's something in that hole that could protect him from the shock wave and the radiation and everything. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I guess. Well, we'll know in a few episodes. In a in a a couple of weeks when we get to the next episode. Um, (laughs) Somebody said, "What happened to Anna?" He said, "She's an ex-Sheridan." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> she is she's an ex anything yeah um there was a jms says there was a very specific reason why garibaldi was picked up and there's a suggestion of of it in what justin says at one point to sheridan but i don't know what that is andy so i'm not really sure now i kind of want to go back and watch it again and, <laughs> and listen right to what justin yeah uh, I, that's that's interesting maybe maybe uh Garibaldi knows when this, why the skirts are short one year and longer the next.
1: If any, if anybody would be interested in that, it would be Mister Garibaldi. It would be Mister Garibaldi. Yes. Um, why
0: has Zahadoom? This is the last one. Why has Zahadoom not been destroyed by the Vorlons in one of the previous wars? And JMS says, "Funny that. You'd think maybe there was something of interest down there." Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. All right. That kind of gets us to the end of the, of the points to consider. We still have our listener questions and stuff to get to here real quick. But I am going to thank our, our patrons. We have to thank the great patrons that keep this program on the air and keep it going. If you want to join their ranks, just go to www.b5review.com. www.b5review.com. And I recently updated it a little bit and spruced it up a little bit. Uh, by the way, I'm going to get into the uh, patron uh, comments, but I, they're the ones I put together specifically for this episode. So they're about a week back now. So if you're a patron and you left a comment in the last few days before we recorded this, it'll be on the next episode. It'll be on the one that Andy and I do for um, for uh, season four beginning it probably or either for the season three review we'll have to see all right we have to thank the following great folks who helped keep our program going Allison Rich Colonel Dad aka Ari Ben Zane I am missing my category mister Emma Jane Alexander Leah G Rich Hammett Debbie Norris Dragon Condolin Emmanuel Seaman Jalza Lady Sif Mondo Six Michael O'Connor Stu Parker The Geek Boy Heather and Yancey Steingrabber Hour of the Wolf, Maine, aka Daft Zeppelin, Ice Cream Clone with the Babylon, with the Boba Fett head, and Michael Halbrook. Thank you all so, so, so very much. What would we do without you? Well, we wouldn't have a show without you. That's what. So, Andy, we have some patron comments and questions. You ready? I I am very ready. I love this part of our show. I know. I do too. And we and I asked for extra comments this time because I knew a comment show was coming. So. Um, First, welcome aboard Debbie Norris, our latest, as far as I know, latest new member. Uh, Colonel Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzani, Mr. My Category, Mr. says, I think this episode completely validates Jakar's comment to somebody, maybe Catherine Sakai, when he said, nobody here is exactly who you think they are or what they seem to be. Um, I think that's probably true. And he said... Uh, Hey, guys, I'm listening to your review. I may have these in the wrong order, gang, so just bear with me. I'm listening to your review again for the third time. Well, we appreciate that. And I have a couple of comments and a suggestion. Number one, perhaps another reason Sheridan is so hard on D'Lynn in that scene where he really chews her out is that he knows the shadows through zombie Anna are watching and he intentionally comes across as being mean and cross and over the top to make the shadows think it's over between him and D'Lynn. He's playing a part to throw them off, uh, to throw them off of Dolan as a threat. Okay, well, eh,
1: that's interesting. that's entirely possible. I, I I think he was really truly conflicted there, though. I mean, I'll do, was, too. That was uh, yeah early enough on in the episode that he still had made up his mind because it wasn't until uh, Anna came or uh, Doc Franklin came back with the the uh, results of Anna's scan that he was mm-hmm. convinced.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love I love the suggestion. I but I agree though that there definitely was other things going on too uh number two on garibaldi's reaction to sheridan's request for the two nukes um michael may just have also realized his now friend john is going on a suicide mission this would surely have weighed on him too i i think so i think there's a moment there where garibaldi totally realizes what's going on and john says to him like don't ask any questions just do what i'm telling you and you could see Garibaldi just, like, fighting internally. Like, ah, i got to say something. i got to tackle him. Yep. i got to tie him up and throw him in the closet with the pizza boxes. No, I can't. You know what I'm saying? He just totally. Yep. I felt like that, that was pretty strong.
1: Yeah, that that was. And, and yeah, um, that was very insightful because, we, yeah, because they have just gotten to that point where they are good friends yeah. and suddenly he's going to go off. and And Garibaldi knew the stakes. I mean, he knew. Oh, yeah what was what, what what was at stake there so you know he was like should i you know put the future of the galaxy and the human race in jeopardy to save my friend or should i let my friend do what he thinks is best mm. yeah that that's man Talking about making a split-second decision like that. Holy cow.
0: Imagine if Garibaldi had knocked him out and gone with him instead. Well, I guess Anna wouldn't have let it happen. But it would have been funny yeah. if the shadows were waiting on Sheridan to show up. And the, the white star pulls up and the sc- the screen comes on. He's like, hey, boys and girls, it's it's uh, Michael <laughs> Garibaldi here. <laughs> the shadows would be like, why did this one come? We don't <laughs> like him. Oh. Yet they took
1: him Um, later in the episode. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other, yeah, that's
0: right. And then his new suggestion, the DVDs for the series included the trailer for the next episode on the next Babylon 5. How about doing a short review of the trailer and your thoughts on whether it is accurate or misleading the viewer of the upcoming episode? It's an interesting idea. I don't know because I don't watch him on the DVDs, and I don't think Andy does either.
1: So, I don't I I own the DVDs I do not own a DVD player anymore so
0: right so it would be kind of logistically tough for us I have them on uh I, w- I either watch it on HBO or I have them on my mp3 so I don't have access to that and I don't know if I would have the time to go through those unless if they were on my little video stream I would do it but um, maybe we can do it for like a special episode or something. We can come up with a few down the road that we can, I can rip or something. So we we'll, it's, yeah. it's not a bad idea. It's just kind of eh, difficult for us at the present time. So uh, logistically. Yeah. Logistically. It's just kind of problematic. Um, we're doing good to get what we're doing. done. I think. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Lady Sif, one of our newer, uh, patrons says some of these questions are partly answered in the passing of the Technomage's third book. However, if those books are not considered canon, or even if they are, I would still like to know. Number one, how did how did Sheridan escape from that room with the shadows blocking the door? We've kind of, kind of touched on that. I think he used hand wavium and plot armor to basically get his way through <laughs> right. there, right? Yeah. Uh, number two, how was the White Star able to crash into Zahadoom? Wouldn't the planet have some kind of a defense or warning system Especially if as Anna said, the shadows think they'll die if something Vorlon touches them. Or are they so secure in their own power they can't imagine anyone attacking them directly. Or would a direct attack violate the rules of the game with the Vorlons or some combination. And I, I wanna point out I think it's the I think it's the Shadow Within book that talks about the eye, like there's like this Sauron eye on Zahadoom that looks out and sees things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe they were able to obscure it or something. Maybe it was the Vorlon nature of the ship that the eye couldn't see it as clearly or something. I uh, I'm not clear on that.
1: Yeah, that, I I think it's as she mentioned a combination of things. I think yeah. the the shadows were sure that Sheridan was there on his own volition and had no you know no intention of of doing anything bad. Um, and I I think the fact that the the White Star was. Did incorporate some Vorlon technology. I think that did um, bypass their sensors or, or, like you said, obscured things from them.
0: Yeah, I think so. Eventually, sooner or later, we'll get around to reviewing all this stuff. By the way, so we'll right. go. We will look at this the books and stuff. Uh, she says number three. Did Kosh know that certain people were down in a certain place? <clears throat> Uh, and if so, how, since the planet has presumably always been the homeworld of the Shadows? So, right, Did the Vor- what did the Vorlons know about Zahadum, and-, and if they did know anything, how did they know it? Yeah. I... Well, and JMS just said maybe the reason that the Vorlons had not bombed Zahadum was that they did know something was there. Exactly. But how? Okay, well, these Hell... are these questions you have to sit down with JMS to really get, and even then I think he'd have to pull something out of his rear end at that point. It gets a little complicated. Uh, number four says spoilers. I'll see if. Uh, okay, so spoilers. I seem, to, I'm not going to give the spoiler. I seem to remember that certain individuals there uh, saying that the shadows had lived there because other certain th- things were there. <laughs> and if that's the case and not the other way around, why did that certain person pick that particular place to live? So, in other words, what the question really is is, why did the shadows choose Zaha Doom, and which came first, the shadow or the egg, the chicken or the yeah. shadow? And we don't know. We don't have any way of knowing, but it's an interesting question. Right.
1: And it is fun to hear you talking like uh, uh, gangster ease there. <laughs> <laughs> <So> <laughs> like you're on a, a wiretap. <laughs> yeah, on a wiretap.
0: So if a certain building was to spontaneously, you know, combust with nothing to do with the, with the police yeah exactly that's that's uh, uh i did the best i could um i don't think we're gonna have spoiler space tonight so i'm just trying to get everything in here um no she says not these are particularly important questions they're things i'm curious about would like to hear your thoughts and no i think they are very interesting questions i'm just afraid that a lot of it is stuff we just don't have any way of knowing right right but it's agree. good it's interesting uh, let's see. Ice Cream Clone says this was my first ever episode. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine
1: this was your first episode? Holy cow! And he <laughs> just got whiplash when he heard that. <laughs> Talk about a jumping on point. <laughs> Good
0: Lord! Yeah, well, jumping on point. Yeah. Um, he says I was uh, Ice Cream Clone says I was uh, up late working, flicking channels. All the soap opera dra- drama of the Shadow Battle, Franklin's walkabout had me intrigued. Throw in the mysterious Anna. Oh, so it may have been, he, this may be referring to the episode before. It may be that Shadow right. Dancing is the one I'm referring to. Okay. Uh, throw in the mysterious Anna, the Z minus X days, and I was all in. Amen to that. From there, I started on season four every week. Soon I discovered the two episode VHS collections at my local. Australian department stores. It was fun trying to work out which two packs contain major shadow war arcs just from the short <laughs> descriptions. Soon enough, a whole shelf of my TV cabinet was full of the hyperspace jump gate pattern. Keep up the great work guys. Thank you. Ice cream clone with a Boba Fett head.
1: Um, yeah. I, awesome. Did you ever get any of the VHS tapes? I did not. Well, uh, I didn't, I taped every episode when, uh, TNT replayed the entire series. I taped everything off. I, I had a whole box of those VCR tapes that I took with me on many moves. (laughs) Amen. All right, here's my... Yeah, go ahead. Let me get back to that. Could you imagine uh, just stumbling across that episode of Babylon 5 (laughs) and that being your first exposure? Talk about (sighs) uh, culture shock. I mean, that... That was so unlike anything on science fiction television because you know if you turn on a random episode of Star Trek, you can watch it from beginning to end and know everything that's going on because yeah. it, it it was you know an episodic series. Oh yeah. You turn on a random episode of of Babylon Five in late season three, you're not going to know anything <laughs> that's going on, but it's still so darn engaging that that it, it sucks you into it. That's awesome. I think that's that's real. That's a really cool story.
0: Yeah. Uh, my story of having the, the tapes and the recordings, when it aired the first time, I was recording season three and season four and into season five because it was airing at like three o'clock in the morning in Atlanta, and I would get up and watch it the next day. Um, then I started buying some of those, but those those VHS tapes were enormously expensive. They were like they were like forty dollars a piece for two episodes. Right, exactly. So and I only had, had to like, order them, Yeah, you had to order them through the TV or something like that. I I got them at Suncoast Video at the mall in Atlanta. That's they crazy. Were like marked up to like forty forty five dollars. I only had like a couple of because they were just too expensive. But then yeah, when it started airing on TNT, I recorded every episode on blank VHS. I had the entire series on VHS. And then when the DVDs came out, I grabbed that. And then from there, yeah. I kept going. So. Uh, let's see. Ice cream clone also says, "Just like this episode, you guys were on top of your game. One of the best analyses yet. So many facts explained in intricate detail." Well, we appreciate that. And then there's episodes like this where we just run our mouth. For <laughs> a half. We'll see if what people think about this one. We'll see. We'll see.
1: I, I, and I, I want to thank him for for that. That that was very nice to, to say. I mean. We yeah. just sit around and chit chat about you know our favorite sci-fi show, and it, it's it's nice that other people are are enjoying our, our silly conversations. Oh, that's, that's absolutely,
0: cool. absolutely.
1: Oh, yeah, we were. I was right that that first one was about about I think Shadow
0: Dancing because my second episode. Was a blockbuster. That was Zahadoom. Doom. It's a testament to Bruce's performance that he had me on Tinder hooks with Jakar's closing monologue. Hit so much harder. Would my favorite survive? Would the show continue? How long did I have to wait for season four? Well, it turned out a week.
1: As we've right. just established, but well, you didn't know that. He was in Australia, so they, they may that's, have been airing it differently down there.
0: That's true. That's true. It's an episode that stands up to so many rewatches, and bear in mind at the time I had no idea about the great episodes I'd already missed from season three and older. Hooked for life. Amen. Um, Lady Sif says, I just about fell out of my chair laughing when you compared Sheridan to Gandalf. I forgot that we did that. Uh, I never th- <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but you're definitely not wrong. Oh, jumping inside. Yeah. Right. I don't know if JMS was a fan of Tolkien or not, but I've definitely noticed correlations between the two universes. No, for
1: sure. Oh, he was a huge fan of Tolkien, yes. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's a little bit Tolkien and a little bit uh, Linsman
1: yeah. going yeah, on yeah, there.
0: Yeah. Uh, as aside, as a huge fan of both, I've been listening to the Prancing Pony podcast along with this podcast. They're going through the Middle-Earth legendarium in chronological order, starting with the Silmarillion, or as we call it, the Elf Bible. Uh, have been struck several times by the similarities in terms of themes and character development. That's fair, yeah. And then Lady Sif says, Didn't Londo get back together with the shadows after Adira died since she thought Reefa had her since he thought Rifa had her murdered. I could be remembering wrong. Yeah, you know what, that may be it. It may be that Londo did kind of he didn't he say something like I don't care anymore, everything I cared about is gone, screw it, let's just burn the galaxy down. I
1: feel oh like golly, that's <coughs> That's that's a good point. I'm not sure. I'll have to go back and watch that episode. Yeah.
0: Now I'm not sure. So, yeah. yeah. I, be- I believe Lady Sif 100%. I just, I seem like I have a memory of him saying something like, yeah, basically at this point I don't even care. Burn it all down or whatever. So, yeah. Uh, Hour of the Wolf Main, a.k.a. Daft Zeppelin, says, I didn't think it a- of it at the time, but for the wrap-up, seeing the Vorlons behind Valen, or with the Grey Council and in the beginning definitely reminds me of Morden surrounded by the Shadow Watchers. JMS showing they are more similar than not, something we will probably see more of. Yeah, I agree. Good catch. Um,
1: they, yeah, they are they are definitely both uh, two sides of the same coin.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Allison says this episode always has me on the edge of my seat. A few observations and comments. One, I would have been miffed at Cosh and Delin for trying to control my destiny and keeping things secret. Going to Zaha Doom thus was obviously something that John had to do.
1: Yes, I agree one hundred percent. Agree.
0: Two, the trust between Garibaldi and Sheridan in this episode is so significant because it's totally broken when they meet next. Oh, oh, we'll leave that Snap. hanging. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: And I would, I, would, I would add that it also was a payoff for how they've built up their relationship those two seasons. Right, absolutely. Because the Garibaldi from the beginning of season two wouldn't have done anything for Sheridan. Not,
1: not at all. Not at all. Through, through uh, most of season two. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Number three, when the shadow ships show up around Babylon Five, there are no Charlin cruisers. Ah, nice. Uh, I give you a, I give you a bonus for using the word Charlin on the on the Membari cruisers. I, I like that. Uh, or other ships guarding the station. Why? And I think we touched on that is that they were just further out and couldn't fire back in.
1: Well, um, and JMS said that that a lot of the ships were getting repaired too. They were in the shop.
0: Yeah, Yeah. man, this is when Clark should have made his move. Now, see, that would be funny if the Shadows appear and there's hardly any defenses, and just as the Shadows are getting set up, right, here comes Clark's Omega Destroyers rolling in, and the Shadows just roll around and blow
1: them all away. (laughs) Just for the heck of it, man. All right. Thinking that they're there to defend Babylon 5. Yes,
0: they're (laughs) there to defend just blow them away. And, And then we cut to Clark going... What what just yeah. happened? What 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 just happened? What, where where did my ships go? What happened? Can you imagine
1: sh- those angry emails after that episode?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Morden's like, oh, Mr. President, I'm so sorry about that. We, <laughs> you know, it was an accident. We didn't. We thought they were on your on on the on yeah. Sheridan side.
1: Dang man, Mr. Mr. Morden, I'm gonna need to talk to your manager. I need to see the I need to see the regional manager. And Justin comes out. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so good. Oh, my gosh. I'm having too much fun with Justin, the regional manager, now. Somebody's got to send us a, a, a picture of him with a little little outfit on, like at Best Buy or something. Um, number four, we finally find out who the man in the middle is. Uh, Justin is the second Night Court actor after Richard Mall. I would say he had a more successful appearance than Richard Mall, though. I, I
1: would say so, yes, for Sure. And I mean, Richard Richard Maltz was definitely more memorable. (laughs) memorable. Well, Dan Laraquit
0: would have made a good uh, a good shadow servant, I think. I think he would have. Yeah, like he could be Mr. Morden's cousin, right? Fred (laughs) Morden from back at the regional office. Oh, this this stuff writes itself. He would have been a
1: he would have been a brilliant. uh, 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 Oh, come on now, Londo. He he would have been Centauri. The Centauri, yes. <laughs> yeah. He would have oh, made a brilliant Centauri.
0: 100%. Larry, John Larroquette with big hair. I, I have to have that now. <laughs> uh, yeah, number five. This, the, the Shadow Within is a great background novel for this episode Agreed. i Again, I, it's been 25 years, but we'll we'll get to it. Uh, number yeah. six. The thing I love about B5 and James' writing is all the gray spaces. The Vorlons are control freaks. The Shadows are agents who are waiting their, waging their own gladiatorial competition. There is no right or wrong. Both sides are flawed.
1: I 100% agree. Absolutely, that and that—that's what makes a, a great protagonist and, and antagonist Is uh, you, you never know who's right and who's wrong.
0: No, absolutely. And then finally, number seven, Morden is just super creepy in this episode. He is. He can really drill down with that unblinking stare of his, and I would add in the little the little half smile while he's doing that yes. stare. Uh, Bruce does the true grit look of determination so well. The same look shows up in Endgame. Well, what, what Endgame could be, huh? Uh, oh. Uh, The jump, jump now moment is gripping. It's Scylla and Charybdis, and Sheridan has narrowly avoided Cersei. He chooses Kosh in that moment. Choose Kosh. I think that was a big thing in the 80s, right? Big T-shirt said, choose Kosh. (laughs) Choose me. There you go. Jump. Wait, hold on. Jump. Jump now. Go ahead and jump. I got my back against the wrecking machine. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: oh, stop. Stop. Oh, I'm sorry. Please. It's the 80s
0: all over again. Um, okay. And then finally, uh, this is Allison, right? Yeah. Allison says When I first watched this, I don't think I saw the Garibaldi twist. Who won this episode? I think Lorien wins the episode. Because, who's Lorien? Um, because the man who is capable of leading the army of light is finally appearing. I guess you mean Sheridan being influenced. Uh, right. This episode is one I'd love to see on a big screen. It's just so good. Amen to that. All right. A yep. few more. Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane, I miss my category, Mr. Mr. Morton. In this episode, is the guy who, after you've bought the car, tries his sleaziest best to sell you the extended warranty. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, if he can't convince you to buy the extended warranty, he will bring in the regional manager. Right, right. Let me talk to my manager about that. Hold who, on one minute. Who decides how long the extended warranties last? I'm with them. <laughs> I never dreamed I would be doing so much, Justin, tonight. But it's really, it's really happening. All right, few more. Let's see. The Geek Boy, one of our newer, one of our newer uh, patrons. Uh, we were on the cusp of seeing. Were we on the cusp of seeing Susan's future from War Without End? I think 100. percent Absolutely says, so this is a tough one because in War Without End, it's established the future they saw would take place in eight days, and this is way longer than eight days later. That being said, just because the shadows were weakened thanks to the actions of Sheridan Sinclair, etc., that doesn't preclude the fact that they weren't going to destroy the station then. Okay, so, yeah, good stuff to chew on there. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, that's interesting thoughts. And then Geek Boy says... Something I remembered reading somewhere, JMS stated that one of the ulterior motives he had for refilming Anna's message from Revelations and using Melissa Gilbert that we talked about was he mm-hmm. wanted to go back and re-edit into Revel- Revelations for future viewings, but obviously that never happens. Does anybody know why? SAG rules maybe. That could have been. I would oh, love yeah. to have I would love to have the continuity all the way through but wouldn't support the original actress losing any residual payments. Yeah. It may very well have to do with Things like union rules and residuals and right. all that's that makes as right. much sense as anything. They probably Absolutely. filmed it and then found out that and then talked to the lawyer. You know,
1: right <laughs> makes as
0: much sense as anything though. Um, Colonel Dad says, well,
1: you, "Oh, go ahead." You would figure the you would figure the SAG president would know, yeah, As she was true. being filmed,
0: <laughs> holy crap,
1: the, that's so funny.
0: We're talking about the union, and Anna Sheridan was literally the president of the union, right? Who's more powerful, the president of the galaxy or the president of the actors' union of the show about the president of the galaxy? <laughs> or, or, or the regional manager, because it could be any yeah. one of them, honestly. It could yeah. be any
1: one of them. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, you ask, Melissa's there, and they're like, well, Melissa, we'd like to film you in the role of uh, of Anna here from the previous episode. And she's like, well, I'm not exactly sure if that's legal or not. Let me check with the regional manager. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to let it go. All right, we have like two questions left. Colonel Dad has two things left. He says, "Guys, we all know you should also give TKO a five, just because of all the mileage you've gotten out of Mutai.
1: <laughs> the Mu-tai. Oh, We are it. gonna have to go back and edit that oh episode now, gosh. just for entertainment factor.
0: If or, we went back mid- and or- gave TKO five a five out of five all of our listeners except Colonel Dad would assume that the reason was because you and I smoke weed every day. That had to be the reason why. It's the only reason why. And then lastly, finally, uh, Colonel Dad says, Andy, I gotta say I disagree with your thoughts. The Shadows won this episode. I think they were the big losers here. I think that's the Shadow dance, what? Maybe shadow dance. Uh, not strategically, but tactically. My two sense is that the shadows are a hive mind species. And no, this is Zahadoom. And when the Big Bang yeah, Zahidim, happened on yeah. Zahadum, they lost a big portion of their hive mind. The shadow ships around B five lost all direction from the bosses. They had to run home to get new directions after the hive mind rebooted. I think we also see the shadows change tactics in season four as a result of their losses suffered here.
1: That's, that's fair. legit. Yeah. Yeah. I it, it, I never thought of the shadows being in a, a, a hive mind race. That's that's an interesting an interesting uh uh perspective. It tracks. It it does kind of make yeah. sense. yep it does.
0: Would you visit our hive? <laughs> I can I can't do the I can't do my little shadow voice as well cuz my throat's kind of still sore. Well. <laughs> All the other voices I've had to do tonight, I can't do the freaking shadow voice. Um there are people that don't know why in the world that's my shadow voice but there's an episode coming up where you find out why that's my shadow voice so right. just leave it there right. okay i think that's all of our comments that we received prior to me preparing the 21 pages <laughs> that we've just gone through we've just gone through 21
1: pages andy Congratulations. that's impressive and we it, did it. yeah it looks it looks it looks like it. <laughs> it's about hour and 20 minutes so far uh, took a little longer than usual all right, on our next
0: installment, hopefully we will do our season review with, well, we'll definitely do our season review. Hopefully we'll have Bob. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have Nathan. I'll contact them now that we've gotten this one out of the way. And do I, I just s- want
1: to say, l- let me say real quick, I love the readers' uh, input, and that was, that was an awesome segment because they had some great stuff. That's, That's so great. cool. Always yeah. great stuff, and we appreciate them yeah. so much.
0: All right, do you have any final thoughts or comments or observations or questions for us before we kind of move toward the end of the night?
1: Man, I don't think I have anything. I think uh, it was a pretty exhaustive discussion. You think you're exhausted? <laughs> <laughs> I'm asleep for a week now. Holy cow. I'm
0: like, oh, we got through the whole thing? That's what I'm saying over here. Uh, when we started out, I meant to say... Oh, for the muse of fire. But now we're done. Hallelujah. So, that was a lot of fun. I hope that... I hope that. Uh, Again, this is if you're if this is the first, <laughs> it's kind of like the person that the our, our our patron that said that the first episode they ever saw, Ice Cream Clone said her first episode was uh Shadow Dancing and Zaha Doom. I'm like, I hope that none of our podcast listeners this was their first episode of the podcast listened to because they're not they're they're usually much more structured than this, right? Right, this is, right. We're just kind of all <laughs> over the place tonight, but we had fun. I had fun. You had fun. Hopefully, the Absolutely. listeners had fun and. I just want again, once once more, apologize. It's my fault we were a week late because I got sick the night we were going to do this a week ago, and I'm still yes. not completely over it. Andy's been dealing with stuff too, so uh, we were we, but we we couldn't stay off the field for longer than a week. We had to come back and, right. and get one in for you guys. So,
1: and the the conversation that Vana and I had over text last night about our recording was <laughs> <it> was hilarious. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh! <laughs> Bless I'm like, I looked at my wife. I'm like, Andy's sicker than I thought. <laughs> He doesn't even know what day it is. Oh no! This is all true. Oh man, yeah. Andy's like, yeah, tonight's great. I'm like, but you said tomorrow night. This is Tuesday or whatever. and He's like, wait, what? We were just going. That was hilarious. We were going. All right. Well, we got it in. We got it done. Uh, they've had enough of our foolishness for this week. So, Andy and I will return um, with um, the season three wrap up. Should be fun. Uh, Andy, you have you-, you continue to recover, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, buddy. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.